the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Professor of Public Policy and Management, Director of the School of Public Affairs at Arizona State University. And he has uh, two important pieces of writing out with his uh, with colleagues. One of his colleagues is uh, Professor Robert Sauer. And uh, in another piece, he um, is co-authoring with David Waldman, a professor of management. Dr. Siegel, welcome back. Thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Seth. We... Uh, we have two fascinating and important pieces from you, um, and one is in the New York Post, uh, out uh, just uh, just came out last night, and then the other one is in the American Institute of Economic or for Economic Research. I want to start with the New York Post. The title is mm-hmm. great. I don't know if you titled it, "The Children Shall Suffer" and other commandments of the cult of COVID. First of all, tell me what you mean by cult of COVID, Professor. Well, uh, as you know, from the beginning, we have said that we established a state-run religion. Uh, And this religion is enforced by a public health police state. And this religion has its own catechisms and its own papal edicts and its own, um, you know, kind of traditions and, and, and norms. And what it's evolved into is, is a cult. It's become a religious cult. And in the New York piece, we talk about the different aspects of this cult and the commandments of this religious cult. And it's taken on all the um, aspects of a cult. Uh, and these people have become branch Covidians, basically. <laughs> when, when did you know, you... <laughs> is what I would call them. Branch uh, Covidians. Okay, keep going. Right. Yeah. I mean... And that's what it's turned into. It's become a religion, and people are practicing it, and anyone who's opposed to it is a heretic. Mm -hmm. You're not supposed to question. You know, everything, you know, is on faith, uh, you know, in our opinion, because it's all based on these pseudoscientific, non-pharmaceutical interventions. And, you know, it's funny because... The infectious disease experts, of course, who are the high priests of this cult, the deity, basically, uh, they don't think of us as human beings. They think of us as germ factories. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. You know, so they don't think of us as individuals with responsibilities. And you may have noticed that they were truly upset with us when we had the temerity not to follow all of the commands of the cult. That's right. They both used the term that they were dismayed by our so-called independent streak. That's right. That's Americans right. have an independent streak. Mm-hmm. And, and my first reaction to that is, thank God we mm-hmm. have an independent streak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they don't want us to be independent. They, they want us to follow the commands and the strictures of this religious cult. And we use the term cult because, like Ancient barbaric religions, the most egregious aspect of the branch Covidian cult 
is child sacrifice, mm-hmm. which you and I have talked about mm-hmm. before, that's ongoing and totally blatantly ignored. There was an orchestrated play, otherwise known as a presidential news conference, a couple of weeks ago, and the president did not mention at all the school closures. And, of course, the amen chorus of the COVIDian cult, the media, didn't ask a single question about the ongoing school closures and the child sacrifice, Mm -hmm. because that's part of the cult. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the children are to be sacrificed. Uh, We're supposed to stay locked down. The three commandments of the cult. Thy children shall suffer. Thou shalt be locked, stay locked down, and thou shalt wear a mask. Now, I don't um, want to take you out of uh, <clears throat> out of your area of expertise, but um, but but I don't think it necessarily is outside your area of expertise, uh, Professor Siegel. Uh, you uh, teach public policy, and uh, of course, uh, are an economist. So, help me understand the social science behind the, how do I put it, intellectual foundations of the cult. Why would, why would someone want to start or someones want to start this cult? Is it based on authoritarian personalities? Is no, it... it's based on Roger Koppel's, uh, you know, timely and important book, Expert Failure. Okay. What, we do, what we have decided to do is cede complete authority and control to infectious disease experts who are maniacal, myopic, and our public policy, this was the fundamental flaw in the public policy, is we relied on infectious disease experts. We've turned them into gods, and they run our society, uh, and they don't think about the broader uh, picture. They're, they want us to obey their commands, they don't want us to have an independent streak, and they don't think about the impacts of their draconian and totalitarian policies. All the negative effects on public health that we've talked about many times on this program that have been caused by the quarantines and the lockdowns and the reopenings, they ignore that. They ignore the economic effects. They ignore the psychological effects. They ignore the sociological effects. And they just focus on one variable. So case, whatever the, the worst metric is at that point in time, they say, well, we have a surge of, because, you know. And so we need to, to maintain the cult. We, 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 we can't go back to normal because we're only focused on this one infectious disease and nothing else matters. And, and the, that was the flaw. That is a huge flaw. That is that is the yeah. central flaw. But the question is still elusive to me as to why. And it's it's not your fault. It's not that you haven't answered the question. You're giving an an answer as to why they would not want us living in normalcy. And and I'll tell you my thesis. You may agree with it or in part agree with it. Is that there is an investment in this cult, and it's ideologically wide. I believe it's, it's a broad ideological swath. There is an investment in seeing this country particularly fail. There is an investment in seeing this country as a sick country or a sick society um, because that is what 
uh, that is what provides the, um, the the proving ground for the need to revolutionize every other aspect of society. Um, there is a coincidental fascination. No, that's the wrong way to put it. There is a coincidental rise of Marxist ideology in this country from our schools to our elected officials at the same time it's commensurate with this kind of robbing us of our economic and familial liberties. And that has to be more than a coincidence. Well, it could be. I mean, this is very much consistent with the collectivist notion that your health is my responsibility, which is something we covered in the AIER yeah, piece. Yeah, I'll come to that. And this yeah. goes beyond. I mean, I last week I taught uh, in my economics course uh, on the subject of externalities and public goods. Uh, and if you want to talk about public health uh, and you want to improve the health of, of people in the country, uh, it's fine to have taxes. The people on our side are not complaining about taxes. Uh, and, in fact, we pay for the health care of the indigent and we subsidize the testing and the vaccines. No one is complaining about that. No one's even complaining about regulation. Really, they should, but they're not complaining as much about that. The famous Mountainside Fitness case, uh, where the uh, you know gym owners uh, sued the governor for shutting down their gyms in less than five hours, as if there was some kind of imminent nuclear attack. They, they weren't complaining about the regulations. In fact, they were lauded by the state for complying with the regulations. What they were complaining about was the uh, shutting down their their firms. And that's based on this collectivist notion. Let me pick up on that when we come back, Professor Siegel, and also get sure. to your other uh, paper, if I might. We're talking to Professor Donald Siegel, Foundation Professor of Public Policy and Management and Director of the School of Public Affairs at ASU Arizona State University. I uh, want to talk to Dr. Siegel about all that when we come back, as well as this notion of public health. Public health in, for some or some parts of the public and some parts of what we mean by health, but a total disregard for other kinds of public health. I want to get Professor Siegel's views on that when we come back, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have with us Professor Donald Siegel from ASU, Professor of Public Policy and Management. Don, um, I want to talk to you about this notion of what we've done to contend COVID in the name of public health. I want to focus on this phrase, public health, with you for a few moments. You're a professor of public policy. Let's talk about public health for a moment. It is part of public policy, after all. I... Um, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say – you tell me if it is. I don't think it's a stretch to say that the fear caucus and the cult, as you call it, of COVID is brought to us ideologically primarily from the left and the liberal side of the political equation. Primarily, not exclusively. Agree? You mean the cult? The, the cult yeah. was established – 
in March of 2020, and even so-called conservatives were framing this as a patriotic act. Okay. Stay home, save lives. We're all in this together, which, of course, really meant we're all forced to be in this together, which was supposed to be, you know, the 15 days, and now looks like more than 15 months. So it was framed as a patri- patriotism. Some of it seeps through still on Fox News. They're telling you it's a patriotic, uh, you know, you have to be patriotic and wear your muzzle. I mean, mask. Most, yes. Uh, uh, although, to be fair, I think most of the people who say that on Fox are people of the left, aren't they? Or at least not 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 solid, <laughs> not, not who we think of as traditional conservatives. No, but it still appears uh, fair enough. on their channel. Fair enough, fair enough. That's that's the groundwork I was looking at. That's perfectly fine. We're, 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 in, we're in mostly, mostly in agreement on that. But when it comes to the public health of, say, our children, and when it comes to the mental health of our children and our public, these tended to be, rightly or wrongly, they tended to be projects, mental health, children's health, um, they tended to be projects that the left and liberals loved to talk about, organize around, fundraise, and warn about. The na- in the name of public health, if something is being done in the name of public health or our children's mental health, typically, typically you would find a lot of interest in that, if not a driving force of that, the liberal left in this country, typically. Not here, not on this. And it's so interesting to me to try and understand why. I don't get it. The studies are, for the most part, unanimous on what this disease can do to children. The studies are also, for the most part, unanimous on what was done to children by disrupting their education and social lives the way we did and the dire consequences that have followed and will continue to follow. Why is there only concern about one side? Why is all of Humpty Dumpty's liberal left, from the teachers on teachers unions on up, why are they holding on to what we all know to be unanimously false, that schools are a problem, um, and disregarding what we know to be unanimously true, which is there will be a lot of mental effects, including substance abuse and, and suicide, as a result of the mitigation efforts. How come oh, they can't see that part of public health? Right. And, you know, again, you and I have talked about how deviant it is mm-hmm. to ask the young to sacrifice you for the old. You bet. It's essentially what we're doing you bet. here. You bet. That's the opposite of what liberals did in the past. That's right. During the Clinton years, every public... Every intervention was justified on the grounds that we were doing it for the kids. That's right. And now all of a sudden, as we point out in the New York Post, child sacrifice is part of the branch Covidian cult. And so why are they why are they willing to sacrifice our children? And by the way, it's not just mental health. Right. The, the most important factor in reducing childhood obesity, which is a huge problem in this country, is that a child physically attend a school. Not virtually, because it's well known in the academic literature that limited access to affordable, healthy food, opportunities to be physically active, all the uncertainty and all the turmoil that can go on inside a child's life at home, they can avoid by 
by being in school instead of spending six hours a day on a computer. Yeah, that that really helps that problem. So they know this is happening. I don't I don't see how they could not know that they're destroying our children. So why are they doing it? Uh, I don't know. The, the teacher unions have a lot of power in this country. Turns out much more than president. we thought. Uh, I mean, a lot more than yeah. we thought. So much more. So much more, Don, I think it's fair to say, that in an era or moment where the critical thing is to follow the science, everyone knows. Everyone knows that the teachers' unions' actions, yeah. arguments, and demands are completely in the face of all science. Yeah, that, that's why we argue in a previous paper that they're not following the science, they're following the political science. That's right. Yeah, they're, they're doing a great job of following the political science, which is, you know, deferring to the teachers' unions, that's one of their constituencies, and also uh, the environmentalists and all the people who love this lockdown. They love... I, have, I know people who, who do work on environmental policy who think this is the greatest thing, you know, that we've shut down travel that people are staying at home, that the roads are less congested, hmm. that cities are, you know, the oh, the that's the other constituency, hmm. the people who live in cities who don't like tourists. That's a really interesting point. We are going yeah. to become not just inured, inured to to um, to yeah. uh, the crackdowns uh, in, in an odd twist of fate. That's probably true of every tyrannization in history. People will become right. not only inured or yeah. used to it, they will start becoming defenders of it, right? Well, and we know that this is just a dress rehearsal for the Green New Deal. I mean, that we thought was so preposterous when, when uh, you know, that wingbat uh, over there in Queens went around saying, you know, that this is going to happen and people will stop traveling. We thought she was nuts, mm -hmm. but she was right. Mm -hmm. We're doing it right now. When was the last time? I mean, I haven't traveled since March of 2020. Uh, yeah, same, Which I think. It's never... Is that true for me, too? I, uh, no, yeah. it's not. Look, no, look no, it's not. I, I, traveled, I traveled to California. I, do, I went to California in July. Yeah. But my travel has been severely curtailed, no question about it. No they shut down it. the cruise industry, yep. Yep. which they always hated, yep. right? Right. Right. You know, they, they've managed to achieve their environmental objectives uh, through this um, phony, you know, occult, in my opinion. I mean, I think it, it all fits into the collectivist agenda. It does. Let me ask and, you a and quick now, question. i, I got to ask you this. I'm just so curious. I know the listeners are, too. In 20 seconds or more, 30 seconds or less, let me do it that way, Professor Siegel, 30 <laughs> seconds or less. How hard is it for you to hold these opinions and be at ASU? Do you get a lot of pushback? No, no I actually haven't, and good. I appreciate that. That because, is Because, um, you know, um, uh, we do respect free speech. We, you know, we, we uh, were ranked, I think, number five in the country for at least having a campus where there is some. Well, Professor Siegel, to you and uh, your colleagues, of course, that you write with, uh, Professor uh, Sauer, of course, and Waldman, I thank you. I thank you. God bless you, Don. We'll be in touch. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Steve is in Tempe. Hello, Steve. Hello, Seth. How are you? Uh, doing just fine. How about you? Well, just fine, sir. Just fine. Thank you. 
Yeah, uh, good show. I appreciated your, your last guest, and, I, and I'm glad you asked that question because that was the first question that came to my mind about him being at ASU. Yeah. I was thinking, how long is he going to be there with uh, with those kind of views? Because I know I know the agenda at ASU as far as climate change and everything else oh, yeah. that, oh, yeah. that he is 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 for um, or against, I should say, especially with his comments about the the virus and how we're reacting to it. And ASU is one of those entities that's reacted exactly the way that he is saying that we should not right. be reacting right. to it. So anyway, right. Right. that was interesting. Um, Seth, regarding the, I, you know, you, regarding the, the Coca-Cola and other businesses in Georgia that are coming out uh, in a strong way against the voting bill that was signed by the governor. I seriously, I, I really think that they're, they're, I mean, first of all, Coca-Cola. Seth, I watched a show that on, I think it was TNT a couple weeks ago about the Cola Wars. Uh-huh. And, and the company that's absolutely celebrating <laughs> what's going on right now, and you can probably guess what I'm going to say, is Pepsi. Mm-hmm. I mean, here here they, you know, are, haven't done anything, and Coca-Cola is basically coming out with these just bizarre comments and, and forceful comments against this, this law that the governor signed, which is completely um, right in what, what the bill is, is designed to do, and that being to expand people's voting rights as opposed to restricting them and to making it um, more difficult to cheat in the elections, which we, we all know happened in the last election. I don't care what, what anybody says, that's what happened. But, again, you know, companies like, like Pepsi are, are absolutely celebrating what Coke is doing because I really think that, that sets a boycott against companies like this is is what we're going to have to do because uh, the one thing we're going to have to do to to get their attention and keep them from doing the things that they're doing and saying the things that they're saying about these things is to hit them in the bottom line mm-hmm. hit them where they live mm-hmm. and their bottom line is their is their uh their customer base mm-hmm. and if their customer base is reducing and by the way I I agree with you RC is I lived in Europe for four years when I when I was younger, and we didn't have Coca Cola. We had RC Cola. Is that right? And RC okay. Cola, yeah, and RC Cola is better than Coke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my <laughs> that, memory that's too. Personal, it's fun. That's a personal preference, but yeah. you know, I, I I don't I don't drink colas uh, hardly at all. Yeah, anymore, I don't but, either much. No, not much. Yeah. But if I had to, yeah, had to go I don't drink cola here. much. But if I do, it's Royal Crown. That's it. There it is. <laughs> There's our ad, Bill. Send that to the Royal Crown people. I think it's owned by Dr. Pepper. Give send that to them. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But no, but no, no. Kirk, Dr. But Pepper is not owned by Coke. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but you know, I think the what what, what is really bothering me are. These people that are, you know, the CEOs of these companies who have to be very smart people to get to the positions that they've, they've been uh, placed in to get there, you would think. 
You would think. And for them, for them to be making these decisions to to do this when they know, when they have to know, they're going to be alienating a whole lot of their of their customer base in, in making these decisions. And I'm talking not only talking about Coca-Cola, I'm talking about Major League Baseball too. Yeah, I'm not going to go to a baseball Good. game again. I mean, not that I was a huge fan before. No, but... these these people, we got to make them feel it, and I think we can. I think we really can. I think the conservative movement is geared up to act and vote with their wallets in ways they have never been before. And if you could get uh, talk radio involved in this, you know, if you could, if you could get, you know, five million people to change their choices in purchasing products from Coke or Delta. That would send a big signal. That would be a big signal, especially if you see a commensurate rise of five million or whatever the number is with competing companies. God bless them all. You bet. Thank you, buddy. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Love that song. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Mike from Scottsdale. Hi, Mike. Hi, Seth. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. How are you? Oh, doing great. Hey, I had a uh, your professor that was on earlier. Uh, he he was he was great. Yes. Uh, and uh, but I, I while you were talking, I kind of uh, kind of have a theory about why because you you kept asking. Yeah, why, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. Well, um, my theory, and, and we've talked about this before when I've called in before about where there's three three or four different levels of different groups of people. And uh, uh, that has to kind of do with that. It's um, I think a lot of the like the teachers uh, would be part of the church, um, and then the or at the least teachers' te- unions. No, the teachers. Okay, they'd be part of the church. The teachers' union <clears throat> would be like the pastors and the deacons of that church. Okay, and then the uh, the uh, AOCs and Nancy Pelosi's would be, and possibly the uh, uh, rich donors uh, would be the, I don't know, the Billy Grahams of, of that church, or uh, for lack of a better word. I the mean, superstars. Word the superstars. Super, the guys that started it, or the guys okay. that are, yeah, on TV talking all the time, they would be them, because there's really different um, kind of. Uh, reasons for them doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So, so Nancy Pelosi, the reason they're keeping all of this alive is not to teach kids necessarily all the stuff they're teaching them, or, or to keep them bound up or not going anywhere. You know, they're they're not trying to to, to indoctrinate them into a church. They're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to change America into a socialist country. Mm-hmm. And in order to do that, you have to get rid of the people that are in your way. Not and only so, that, not only yeah. that, there's no point to a revolution if everything is fine and dandy or great. That's exactly right. And, and You can't they're, engage they're, people to follow you in, in a revolution if everything is, right. is, is, um, is, is pretty good, never mind right. great. Yeah, that's why so they hated Donald Trump calling America great. They don't want right. America to be known as great. If it's great, right. there's no need to revolt. So thus, they're trying to change this to the 1619 mm-hmm. and teach all that in the schools. They're trying to they're trying to change the minds of everybody, including the teachers, especially the teachers. They're trying to to te- to 
changed their minds uh, to to do this. They're 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 indoctrinating them into their quote unquote church, so that they can uh, they can make them into the robots that they need to make them into in order for them to to do what Nancy Pelosi and those guys want them to do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So so that's really the reason the teachers don't really have a clue. Uh, they really don't. If they if they would look at Red for Ed. And for what it truly stands for, they would be running the opposite way. But they all fall in line and do the thing because they just do it's, what it's, the union tell for them. Ed, and, red for Ed is Ed for Red, right? That's how I think of it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you would sit there and tell them, well, you're studying communist policy by going with Red for Ed, they would go, no, we're not. Mm-hmm. And they would truly believe it because they haven't really looked into it. All they do is see the surface stuff. Sure. The real people are the guys behind it sure. that are making all this uh, doctrine for their quote-unquote church in order to get what they want done. So so the upper echelon guys have have made this church not not because they want to make a church, but because they want to control people and all the little people all the way down the line, you know, all the way to the custodians in the schools and wherever else are just kind of going along with it, and so that's that's kind of my theory about it. I, I don't know what you think. Uh, what do you what do you think? Is that am I on track? Well, I uh, yeah, I think probably. I the only thing I I'm I'm reserved on uh, a little bit or hesitant on, Mike, just a little bit mm-hmm. is uh, when you said teachers and I said teachers union and and you said no teachers. I have to. Um, I, I, it's a small point, maybe, but I think a true one. I have known teachers that hated this, hated what their unions were doing, wanted mm-hmm. to get back in the classroom. So I don't want to cast every teacher in that crowd. I don't want. Oh no, no, no. Fair yeah, enough. I, I didn't. I didn't mean. I well, I should. I'm. I'm a big generalizer. <laughs> oh, that's fine. Um, I, that's there's fine. always. There's always. Uh, a, a group of people who are on the opposite side, and there's a lot of teachers out there. I don't know the percentages, but there's a lot out there that are that do know what's going on. They just don't want to rock the boat too much. They're trying to do their best to do things covertly so that they don't get in trouble and they can still teach the kids the right things. There are those teachers out there, and I, I want to make sure that you know people hear me about that. But but the majority seems to be. Um, going along with the teachers unions yep. and what the teachers sure. unions say. Sure. But sure. yeah, sure there's a ton of there's a ton of teachers Look out at there how powerful are they are. They are so powerful mm-hmm. that when the director of the CDC, Dr. Rachel Walensky, <clears throat> told a truth early on in her tenure in this administration, and it's funny to say early on before it's even 100 days, but that's how fast things are moving early on. She said schools should reopen and not everyone needs to be immunized and had to walk it back the next day. Uh-huh. That's how powerful the teachers' unions are. Wow. And Jen Psaki said she was speaking in her personal capacity. The funny thing well, about and- that personal capacity is if you look at uh, the video in which she says that, she's standing behind a CDC podium and backdrop. So – there is yeah. one good thing we've learned from this, Mike. If you ever say anything that turns out to be um, uh, controversial that um, you mm-hmm. wish uh, you had not said, uh, mm-hmm. just ju- just just say you were speaking in your personal capacity. <laughs> 
God bless you, Mike. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. Imagine an epidemic or problem so severe, so severe, that you have to um, make fake cases of it. As we just learned of another fake racial hoax at another college in America. This one at a small college in Michigan, Albion College. Where a black student was caught creating KKK graffiti. Imagine a problem like racism so severe that you have to invent it where it doesn't exist. Like Jesse Smollett, or this case, or Covington. I could give you example after example. Imagine a problem so severe, so systemic, you can't see it or touch it. Imagine it's so severe that people of the opposite race tell you it exists. People of the race that's not being negatively affected. And imagine the person in our federal government most responsible for handing, ep handling epidemics, the director of the CDC, saying today, as she did, that systemic racism is a serious health problem in this country. Confronting the impact of racism will not be easy, Dr. Rachel Walensky said. I know that we can do this if we work together. What's this? What's the this? Ending systemic racism as a public health crisis. And imagine a disease so bad you can't see it and didn't know you have it, and people invent stories about it to prove it. I feel that's where we are. Until tomorrow, thank you for spending some of your day with us. God bless you all in class dismissed. <laughs>